This episode of the PictureLine podcast is sponsored by Nikon. This holiday season, come into PictureLine or visit PictureLine.com to get your hands on the brand new Nikon Z7 and upcoming Z6 mirrorless cameras. And be sure to take advantage of our holiday deals with instant rebates across Nikon's line of camera bodies and lenses. During the month of November, mention the PictureLine podcast when you buy any Nikon body or lens at PictureLine and receive a free bag with your purchase. Thanks to Nikon for sponsoring this episode. My guest on the Picture Line podcast this week is a pioneer of digital photo. He was the first digital photographer for both Nikon and Epson. He has published several books on photography. He's been featured in the New York Times. He uh, runs workshops. He is a mentor. Uh, he's given uh, lectures at places like Adobe and Google and all over the photography world. Uh, he is a award-winning photographer, and his name is Vincent Versace. Vincent, welcome. Thank you for having me here. It's always a joy and a pleasure to be in Salt Lake City. Yes, we are excited to have you. You are in town, of course, to uh, to teach. I am. I'm at the uh, University of Utah today and tomorrow. Yes, and you will be uh, teaching a seminar uh, tomorrow at Salt Lake Community College as well. Um, I, I am. I am. I am. I, I am. <laughs> That's my information. I could be wrong about that. As far as I know, you're teaching at uh, Slick tomorrow. Uh, what is that uh, seminar going to cover? Do you know? I'm talking about my, the tomorrow is all about talking about my work in the field on a project that I'm doing um, called the, the Last Page Project. Okay. And the goal of the Last Page Project is uh, threefold. There are three um, places on the planet that I want to impact, um, Myanmar, India, and Cuba. Okay. And what this is, is I want to build a school in Burma. Myanmar. I want to feed some hungry kids in India, and I want to put cameras in the hands of photographers in Cuba. Okay. And how I want to do this is I want to photograph those countries as they're emerging out of being a pariah nation sure, or yeah. being embargoed and recording um, the echoes of the British Raj in India. So. The Burmese one is turning the last page of the 19th century. Cuba is turning the last page of 1962. And India is turning the last page of the British Raj. Hmm. And what I'm endeavoring to do is to photograph the emerging out of the 19th century, because most of Myanmar is basically there, into the 21st century. Mm And preserving photographically what is inherently unique and precious of those societies so that there is a record to say, remember this. This is what makes you wonderful. Because one of the issues with Western civilization that I have with it is where we seep into every nook and cranny. And when you're done, everybody wants to eat pizza versus noodles and everybody wants to wear blue jeans instead of longies and there's there's something that we need to preserve about these things that we as a society need to see that the innocence of 1962 exists in Cuba for I mean not getting into the argument of politics of whether or not it's right or wrong that's not what this project is there are outcomes in spite of it that are important to keep in mind Mm -hmm. that because of the isolation 
there's an innocence, there's an openness, there's a quality that I think is important to preserve. There's a beauty about the spirit. So of the people that live in these places, I want to record that. And I want to have it be, instead of going to all the places everybody goes, go to the places that nobody goes. Mm-hmm. So that it's seen at eye level, walking the street, photographing um, what is inherently wonderful about every society in this project. That gives me an idea of your sort of the, the why of why you photograph, you know, because you are someone who has had a long career in the photography industry. And Don't remind me. You have had, <laughs> you've had a lot of different hats. You've been in a lot of different uh, roles. And um, to, to hear you talk about this now and to talk about, um, to, to be able to put the emphasis on photography on the, the impact that it can make. And well, beyond just the aesthetic, which is so easy to uh, sort of whittle it down to and say photography is about presenting things that look nice. Well, I mean, it's important to make something that's visually interesting, mm-hmm. which we agree. That's a given, right? Sure. Um, I think the issue... But what it sounds like you're saying is that there is something vis- visually interesting that you want to go capture in these places. There's something emotively interesting that I want to be taken by and I want to use whatever you may think of my ability to organize an image, good or ill. Sure. I want to be able to use the way in which I organize a photograph to show what it was like to be taken by the spirit of the people that are in front of my camera or the spirit of the environment as it takes me. I, I don't think you take a photograph. I think the photograph takes you. And the best photographs are the ones that rip you through the lens versus you trying to drag the thing kicking and screaming through the lens. And with that, that's what I want to do. I think the, the, the pen is mightier than the sword. Okay, the camera is mightier than the pen. Hmm. And I wield a camera. And so I want to show visually the impact of these moments and freeze time in a way in which when you look at it, you don't know when, but you do know where, and that the image hopefully will take the viewer of it to the same place I was taken when it took me, Mm -hmm. and that's the goal. And then to organize that in a way in which uh, the series of pictures in the book will fund um, buying cameras, Mm -hmm. and just doing right, just doing the right thing. You know, I live a blessed life. I mean, I cannot complain. I have had one, and I'm still having it, one fun time. Okay, how do I do something good? How do I use the power of art? I mean, everybody is given a gift. Everybody has an, something that is unique about them. And I'm, I think I have been given the gift of vision, the, the eye, for lack of a better word. Right. I didn't earn it. Mm-hmm. It it just happened it just is it's neither one way or the other but if that is what my job is is to tell the truth and see the pretty to to walk on the earth and photograph it then that's what I'm going to do Mm -hmm. and what I want to do here is I want to photograph the purity of the moments as they're fleeting it just I, I wish I could explain it I know words are not for somebody that's a chatty Cathy, to have words leave you <laughs> is kind of difficult. But there's really no way to express other than it's powerful to be in the moment and to be pulled like that. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't it be nice to do something good? Wouldn't it nice be nice to have kids be educated by the power of creativity? Wouldn't it be nice to feed somebody 
off the power of creativity. Wouldn't it be nice to give the instrument of creativity to those that will never have the ability to access what I get to access, what I take for granted? Mm -hmm. It's like, sign me up. I, I can do that. Yeah. So you do a lot of teaching. Like you're teaching this week in Salt Lake City, and you do you've you've been in in mentorship roles in the past, and you do a lot of speaking engagements. Is that that's well, I I, I try to do some. Um, the the issue I, I delineate the world of photography, world of art, into two types. There are like us and from us. Okay. Okay. You can either learn how to shoot like a pro, right, or you can learn how to shoot from a pro, and I make the bulk of my living off of being a, a photographer. Mm -hmm. I, I come from an educational uh, experience where the concept, the way I learned was something called share the refulgence, which means that working artists teach up and coming artists how to work. And one of the agreements that I made in the schools that I went to was that I would share the refulgence, that if I get some degree of success, which I believe I've had some, some level of, my responsibility is to share that knowledge, that I stand on the shoulders of giants and I want to be the shoulders in which others stand on. So, yeah, I, I, I try to do about six workshops a year mm -hmm. and, you know, about six, seven speaking things. Yeah. It's important. They're not money-making ventures. This certainly is not... A profitable experience sure. economically mm -hmm. but spiritually it's incredibly profitable and I have other things that pay the rent and I, I can't complain so I think it's important that every visual artist that is, has some degree of success is to share their refulgence. Yeah. And when you get these opportunities to teach and to speak and to be in front of people and communicate um, is it a priority to you to communicate that idea of what you believe to be your job? Yes I believe that that is my responsibility. Mm -hmm. My responsibility is to help innovation occur. My responsibility is to be the broom that sweeps clean. My responsibility is to make it so that your life is easier because I'm blessed with being able to solve problems in a way in which most people can't mm -hmm. because of the nature of my access to technology and the way in which I get to play with stuff and see things sometimes several years before they're released. What I'm allowed to have is the ability to come up with what is the technique that makes this easier. How do I make your life simpler? Because I can save you some time. And if I can do that, we're good. And, and how is it that photography does that? How is it that you were able to use photography? You know, because it's, it's, it's sometimes I feel like photography as an industry has a bit of an inferiority complex where uh, we're not doctors. We're not, and you know, it's, it's, it's where the ideas of um, uh, people's occasionally negative opinions of, of journalists, for example, that same sort of mindset of you're not actually helping people. You're not building schools. You're not, I know you are actually building schools, but um, photographers are, are just taking pictures, you know, and they're, they're just, you know, going out into, here in Utah, you're just going out into the mountains and taking pictures of the fall colors and and that's you know that's not really helping anyone basically and my job is everybody else's hobby yeah yeah okay. and um richard Feynman, um nobel physics physicist one of the great minds ever to 
bless our planet. He has a friend who was an artist, and his artist says, well, you're just a physicist. You don't understand art. To which Feynman's response was, I look at a flower, and you see the flower is beautiful. I look at the flower, and I know how the pestles work and the stamens work and how the capillary action of the plant moves up through nutrients and water through the flower. I know how the plant pollinates. I know the reason why all of the leaves are shaped and all of the petals are shaped in a way in which to do these things. So let me ask you, do I understand more about the beauty of the flower or less? Okay. His response was, just because I'm a mere physicist doesn't necessarily mean that I don't grasp the concept of the pretty. I'm a photographer, and my technical needs and knowledge are such that I'm on par with a doctor or a lawyer. I have a terminal degree in art, which means that I went through the same level of intensity of education. If you have an inferiority complex, that complex is generally generated by the same person that's sitting in the same chair that is having the inferiority complex. <laughs> there are enough people on the planet that will snock, knock the snot out of you. You don't need to help, right? If you've been given the gift of vision, your job is to see. If what you do is have the ability to photograph working with people to show what they do, like um, we have one ambassador that photographs um, veterans, and her whole spin is to photograph these people that have been through something and to create an image where you look at it and you get them. You get the landscape of their life in one shot. Um, as a viable art form, I think that photography is every bit as viable as an art form as painting and everything else. And if anybody is putting their nose up in the air, then they're ignorant. And uh, you know what? If I tick somebody off by saying that, that's what I feel. Mm -hmm. I, I believe that it is a form of communication in which I can, in one image, express great amounts of knowledge, great amounts of emotion. Uh, a picture speaks a thousand words, but a thousand words will not speak what a picture contains that you can feel when you look at it. Mm -hmm. If you look at, let's take Cuba, for example. In 1962, they had a 2% literacy rate when the revolution happened. When the re revolution happened, all of the sponsors and advertisers pulled out of the newspapers. So they had a lot of blank pages. How do you tell the story of a revolution to people who can't read? Through a photograph. So photography became a very strong tradition in Cuba. Mm -hmm. And when you go to Cuba to shoot, that acceptance of it as a high-end art form is huge. Mm -hmm. Okay, you need to respect that because people's stories have been told in a photograph. The photograph of Tiananmen Square, of the one person standing up to a tank, mm -hmm. you're going to tell me that that does not stop time, mm -hmm. that does not make you pause. So the power of a photograph is extraordinary. The picture is mightier than the pen. And yes, we can lower our belief of it, but that's the individual doing it. I don't believe that anything I do is any more or less valuable to society as a doctor or a lawyer. Now, is what I do serious? Nothing I do is serious, <laughs> okay? okay? I'm very serious about having a good time. Absolutely. But I do photograph many serious things. Being a doctor, that's serious. Being an astronaut, that's serious. Being a photographer, being a photojournalist, 
that's very serious. And right now, photojournalism is under incredible amounts of attack, wrongfully, I think, mm -hmm. because the whole purpose of it is to tell the truth. You can't argue with the integrity of an image. You can't argue with the integrity of, of something that has been recorded in motion. That is its own truth. And the fact that there is so much attack at it means that it's doing its job. Mm. The great, when I won my Smithsonian Award, the question that always stuck with me was not what the success, it literally says, we do not want to hear about the success of your project. We want to hear about the resistance because what we have found is the greater the resistance, the more original the idea. Mm -hmm. And with the amounts of resistance that is going on right now, you need to look at what the resistance is. That tells you what direction the not truth is coming from and where the truth is. Yeah. I think that is a, a wildly important idea to have is, is looking at the resistance. I think we're in a, a place right now where it's easy to look at the resistance and, and see it as, see the thing that's being resisted against as, as the, the problem. You know, right. there's pushback on these things because they're a problem, but there's actually pushback on them because, because there's upheaval, because, you know, we're in a, a period of great uncertainty as a world, you know, and um, for, for people who just want things to go back to where they used to be, where they were comfortable in, in whatever, you know, position in life or the world they had, um, there's going to be that resistance. And, and what that tells me is, is people who are telling these stories are, um, striking a nerve. Yeah, and that's, that's the purpose of it, <laughs> Yeah, right? Yeah, It's when you lift up a rock, whatever's under the rock is a reason why they're under the rock. Right, they don't want to yeah. see the light of day. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, um, but I, I, I really, really appreciate um, communicating the, the value of a picture. Um, and, and I especially like the idea of, of, of Leica versus Froma because, um, because it's, it's very easy to especially now where photography in general is with with uh, social media and with technology where it is and how accessible things are um, it, it it's easy for things to get boiled down to I want to shoot like my favorite photographer versus I want to tell a story that only I can tell I want to bring my perspective to the world and that that fundamental difference between uh, a photographer who just looks at a picture and, and goes off to figure out how they can shoot that same picture um, versus a unique perspective. Well, I, there's a photographer, a gentleman named Tim Wallace, and I am just a huge fan of this man's work. What he does with cars is just, uh, I, every time I look at it, I, I, I say to myself, I should get a job where I say, do you want fries with that? Because <laughs> it's just epic. And there is this one stream of somebody was asking him to take behind the scenes photographs of him so that they can learn how to do what it is that he does and his response was I spent 25 years figuring this out right do the work yeah and basically the response he got back was you don't need to be such a jerk about it and it's like I'm not being a jerk about mm -hmm. it I busted my butt to get to this level and what you want me to it's like and he's absolutely right you need to do the work yeah you need to because see. not only not only would not only did he work for that but anything that he tries to teach you about step-by-step -step process is never going to reproduce right. his work. You need to you need to learn the pathways. Like I, I, I wrote a book on black and white, and there's this one guy that read it, and he didn't follow the instructions, which you have to do the book in order. Mm -hmm. So he did what he wanted to do and then told me how bad my book was. And it's like, no, I took you 
on a journey, not mm-hmm. to, I, I mean, I make $2.50 off the book. Right. If we look at how much, how much time I spent to produce this book, I got paid 63 cents an hour. Trust me when I tell you, I get more than that as an hourly rate. Sure. It was a labor of love. And the reason why I wrote the book was this is the pathway that I went on to come up with the discoveries of the technique that I have to do the conversions that I do. And I need you to go this pathway so that it's a series of landmines. If you don't want to do that and you just want to you know, go to the end, okay, but don't expect the result to be the same. You have to do the work. Mm-hmm. Part of the issue today is we want the easy button and think we can watch a, a YouTube video. Mm-hmm. Are they helpful? Yeah, there's lots of stuff on YouTube that's great. I mean, right now I'm trying to build a hoist on the side of my studio to bring up to the third level of the studio. There's tons of videos on that. That's sure, yeah. great. Yeah. Somebody took the time to do it. That's great. But there are some things about art that you have to experience. The better and deeper life you have, the better and deeper your work will be. The quality of your images are reflected in the quality of the life and experience that you have. If you have a crappy outlook on life, trust me when I tell you, you will take crappy outlook on life photographs. Mm -hmm. But if you're open to the world coming to you, and if you're receptive to the world being part of you and you're part of it, that you mirror each other, you'll have images that will reflect that joy, reflect that sorrow, but in a a neutral, not negative way, not neutral, but not in a a negative way, but in an open way. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is the power of photography. I think one of the powers of photography right now is that it's become accessible. When I started, it was $20 a roll film and processing, and I shot 25 rolls of film a day on a photo shoot. Not a lot of people can do that, and I just figured out a way to pay for my photo addiction, which is what that whole way of working is. Today, once you buy the camera, the return on investment is you, you own it, so yeah. shoot. Yeah, the more you shoot, the better the investment was. And it opens up to all sorts of things for people to become. They become more creative. And by, I think that more creativity in the world would relieve a lot of the pressures of the world. We mm-hmm. don't have a lot of places to release. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the world's become a smaller place and a more difficult place in a lot of ways. It's become a great place because of technology as well. We have to find, you know, find that balance. Water finds its own level. We need to find what that level is for us. Let's talk about your style, uh, your actual style of photography. Because, well, let me just ask you the question, what... What type of photographer would you describe yourself as? Yes. Yep, that's what I, <laughs> I know. It's sort of a, it's it's a, a an intentionally Vague ridiculous question. question. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I, I, if I had to pick what has been both the boon and bane of my career is the fact that I don't specialize mm-hmm. in the one thing. I try to pick every form of photography and specialize in that form in conjunction with being a photographer. Mm-hmm. The, well, I get the second. <laughs> I hope he listens to this. Mark <laughs> Clegg. Mark Clegg is the acting director of music for the University of Michigan right now. Okay. On the music school. And Mark and I went to grad school together. And Mark plays bassoon, as well as pretty much every other instrument in the orchestra. And I, I, I marveled at that. And I'm like, dude, you know, what's this about? And he says, well, I want to be a conductor and a composer, and my instrument is the 
symphony orchestra. I'm a master musician, which means that I must master every instrument that's in the symphony well enough to play in the symphony. And I just remember when, you know, snot-nosed kid, basically, wet behind the ears, and listening to somebody so wise at that age, and it just hit me. I'm a master photographer. That's the goal, Mm -hmm. okay? What that means is if I'm going to approach or try to attain the level of master of my art form, I need to master my art form. What is my art form? It's landscapes. It's people. It's food. It's learn how to do everything and learn how to do everything at the level of being able to play in the symphony. Mm -hmm. So, yes, what do I do? I'm a master. I try to be a master photographer. I can't, you know, I'm a master photographer. That's the goal in my life. The practice that I engage in is to master photography. So I try to master every form of it. If something, I don't like something, that's my new best friend. And I learn it to the point where I am hit mastery. And then I can make a decision. Like for me, I prefer continuous light versus strobe light. I think it's much prettier light. I love working with sunlight, controlled sunlight, direct, reflected, diffused. Love working with hive lights. Like I just got these new lights maybe like a company called Hive, they're cine lights, right? And I can dial in all the color temperatures and they have Fresnels and Leco spots and, oh my God, you know, I'm just painting with light. The mm-hmm. word photography means to write with light and I'm writing with light. <laughs> so it, that's what's exciting to me. It's like, you know, as long as you stay young and how you stay young is by playing and when your dreams are replaced by regrets, that's when you get old. So I keep trying to dream, and I keep trying to play. And I think it's important to, to stay with the flow and to not get yourself into a groove which becomes a rut, which becomes a hole, which becomes a grave, mm-hmm. but to constantly embrace all the cool stuff. And if there are some things you like, don't do that. If there's some things you do like, do those. But make sure that you are conscious about the choice. Um, is that... Um how would you translate that to advice given to aspiring or beginning or even, you know, just any photographer? Is that is is sort of this mastery of every um, discipline of photography something you would advise for any photographer that yeah. wants to excel? It is. Oh, yeah. No, it's like you, you, you because all right, I shoot my portraits like landscapes. I shoot my landscapes like portraits. Well, what does that mean? Um, thank you for asking. <laughs> um, when I photograph a flower. Right, and I have a California poppy, and I photograph the flower. Yes or no? Am I doing the flower's portrait? I'm a flower, right? <laughs> right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. When I photograph a landscape, part of photographing landscape is the totality of everything in your field of view in that instant. Mm-hmm. Let's say that landscape has a church spire in it, in a field of trees, right in between moments of a thunderstorm that you have a break and the trees are um, fall color. My job is to do to tell the story of that moment, right? I'm doing the portrait of that moment of a landscape. When I photograph a person, my job is to get the totality of that person in one shot in that image. I'm doing the landscape of who they are. I'm doing the portrait of that landscape. By doing both portraits and landscapes, they cross-pollinate. And in the cross-pollination, I get stronger, deeper photographs. By playing with um, controlled light doing still lifes, 
beauty of photographing flowers and fruit and stuff is it doesn't talk back and you can just sit there and you know oh, that sure. didn't work. yeah but you wind up with all these wildly cool shots like i did a picture of tomatoes of, of um, heirloom tomatoes in which i was in san francisco i was in a farmer's market and apparently all of the heirloom tomatoes of northern california came to market that day and it was like as far as you could see the most wild tomatoes so i picked all of these heirloom tomatoes because they were just beautiful and I got back to my friend's um, warehouse where I was staying, and all of a sudden it was, now what do I do with 25 pounds of heirloom tomatoes? Mm. Well, let's take a picture of it. So I just assembled them all up, and I wound up making this pretty picture. And Epson now uses it as a print sample for their printers. But at the time, all I was trying to do was play with tomatoes. Right. And he had this, you know, 35,000-square-foot um, warehouse with 40-foot-high ceilings with skylights that haven't been washed since the 1930s. Great. <laughs> and so I just played with what was there, mm-hmm. and what came out of it was something that I could not have anticipated. But I did the portrait of the tomatoes in my still life by playing with the light, by modifying it with things that I found in the warehouse. I played. And the outcome of that playing I couldn't anticipate. So I always love to play with, with things, with new stuff. It's important. It's important to always explore. Like if you don't like to shoot people, congratulations. What's your new best friend? Shooting, Shooting people. Shooting people, yeah. I can't do architecture. Congratulations. <laughs> What's your new best friend? Because the muscle is weak and we don't like to do things that we're not good at. Well, mm-hmm. everybody's not good at something at the beginning and you have to practice at it to get mastery. What you'll find in both the success and failure is a lesson which will become a success no matter what. The failure can become a success by learning what works or what happens when you do this that may not work in one discipline but is the salvation in another discipline. But you won't know that unless you did it. I think that's that's such an important principle is, is the idea, because it is so easy to separate into I'm a landscape photographer i'm a portrait photographer i'm a fashion photographer i'm an action photographer um the idea that learning each of these strengthens the others is such an important one that i don't don't know if it gets lost or not but it's worth reminding ourselves of is the the value of kind of stepping outside of what you you know or you've mastered or you know you need to know how to do everything yeah before you can decide what you don't want to do Mm. you know um like again i just spent two years playing with strobes in my mm-hmm. studio. What did I come out with? You don't want to do Yeah, strobes. I know how to do it. I just don't like it. Sure. <laughs> um, I can say with absolute authority that, yes, I still know how to shoot them. Yes, they have applications. Yes, I do use them when I do interiors and stuff. That's true. But when I shoot people, it's all continuous light mm-hmm. because it's not jarring. Um, is there any sort of... Uh, you're talking about strobes. You, is there is there any sort of um, either process or uh, piece of gear or you know principle of photography that you think everyone should know as quickly as possible this as a photographer? This is going to sound a bit odd. Bring it because it's not <laughs> related, but probably the single greatest impact I think you can have on being a photographer, particularly a portrait photographer or a street photographer, take an improvisational acting class. Okay. Um, I'm a conservatory-trained actor, Mm -hmm. and my focus was in improv. 
And if I had to pick out of all the things that I have learned as an artist, it is the things that I learned being an improvisationally trained actor. Is that because of the way it teaches you to pay attention to behavior? It, because yes is always my answer. Okay. Because you can't blow me up. Right. It's always yes and. Yes and. Yeah. Okay. Well, we do know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> We're not interviewing me. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm a Spolin trained um, uh, actor. Sure. Yeah. So it, um, I find that that's important. The ability to be able to, I don't speak all the languages of all the places I go, but I can still communicate. Why? Mm -hmm. Because I can improv. I speak the language of silly. I speak the language of empathy. So and this all comes from being able to read the moment and be participant of the moment and go with wherever it takes you. Mm -hmm. A lot of times when people do people photography, it's because they don't know how to play. And the best thing that improv teaches you is how to play. Mm. A, a photograph doesn't occur at the subject and it doesn't occur behind the camera. It occurs in the space between subject and um, photographer. So if you can put a camera in between this interaction, that's where the strong photographs are. Now, do I think it's important to know everything you can possibly know about how everything works with your cameras and your post-processing? Absolutely. The more you understand about the middle, the more informed your decisions can be at the beginning, point of capture, because everything you're doing at the point of capture is in service of the end, which is the print, and the print's in service of your voice, which happens at the beginning. So. You travel a circle in a straight line. Right. That's basically what it comes <laughs> I love to. that. Yes. Now, please grab the pixel out of my hand. Out of my hand, yeah. <laughs> and, and the whole thing of it is every decision that you make about your photograph has to happen at point of capture. So the more you know about how it all interacts, the more informed your decisions can be in that much time mm -hmm. at the beginning so you don't have to noodle it. And every, it, the picture took you, right? That's your voice. Something spoke to you. You went click. Sound effect. You went, you went click. Okay. Now you've got to bring the image to be reflective of the moment of being taken. So you best know how to do that. Mm -hmm. That means understanding how to post-process a raw file, how to post-process the file after it's been rendered from raw to something you can use, how to make a print. I think one of the great sorrows of all of this is that people stopped printing as much as they should. Mm -hmm. Photographs meant to be looked at as a print. Looking at it on an iPad's all well and good if you're trying to get work in a coffee shop. But with regard to what moves you, what blows you away, what has impact, it's the print. There's nothing like a print, be it silver, be it ink. Hmm. Wow. So you would recommend every photographer print their stuff? Not only do I do, but Ansel Adams does. Sure. He, he said the greatest photographers in the world will always be the greatest printers, but the greatest printers may not necessarily be the greatest photographers. Sure, right. If you understand how to make a print and what's required to do that means that you understand the middle. Understanding the middle now lets you know what it is you need to do at the beginning. And that comes down to every decision you make about your image happens at point of capture. Mm -hmm. So the more you know about it, and Sun Tzu, in The Art of War, um, said, um, know your enemy as well as you know yourself. You know the outcome of every battle. Know your enemy half as well as you know yourself. You win half the battles. You lose half the battles. Don't know your enemy as to not know yourself. You are truly lost. Let's replace enemy with camera. Wow. Know your camera as well as you know yourself. 
Know photography as well as you know yourself, you will know the outcome of every image. Mm. Know photography half as well as you know yourself, you will have half your pictures will be successful, half of your pictures won't. Don't understand photography is to not understand yourself and you are truly lost. So yes, it's, it, it, it's incumbent upon you to understand how it all works. If you choose this path, if you choose the path of going down with all the technology that you need to get and all the things you need to have, it behooves you to understand how they all work. Mm -hmm. And the more you understand how they all work, the more successful your pictures will be. Well, thank you so much for, for sitting down with us today, Vincent. Really thank you for having this conversation. Um, before we go, uh, as I mentioned, you do have a talk happening um, the day after this is recorded. So by the time it goes out, uh, that will have been long gone. But do you have anything you'd like to plug, any of your uh, your work or where people can go find oh, no, your you work? Know what? There is one thing I want. By all there means. is one thing I want. Okay. Okay. What I'm, is that? I'm asking for this, all right? I don't normally ask for anything, right? You know, I'm, you know, Mr. Buddhist kind of thing. <laughs> I'm asking for this. My Instagram account is Vincent <laughs> underscore Versace, okay. V-E-R-S-A-C-E. Please sign up and follow me on Instagram because it is all about social media. I get that, and that's what I would like. Okay, great. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. Uh, and I guess we'll wrap it up there. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks again to Vincent for sitting down with us. Thanks to Nikon for sponsoring this episode. And thanks to Rode for furnishing all of our audio equipment. If you are interested in learning more about events at PictureLine like Vincent's workshop or any of our other upcoming events such as seminars, workshops, demo days, and more, you can go to PictureLine.com and check out our events section. PictureLine is located at 305 West, 700 South in Salt Lake City, Utah, and is your source for photography equipment, education, and more. We cut a segment for time in this episode, but in that segment, Vincent recommended the magnetic filter system from Manfrotto called Zoom. That's spelled X-U-M-E. You can find links in our show notes to purchase those or go to pictureline.com and search X-U-M-E. That's pronounced Zoom. One last thanks to you for listening. I'm Jacob Norwood, and we'll talk to you next time.